You may know our next guest as Auntie Anne. That's right, we have the founder of the world's largest pretzel franchise, Anne Byler, with us right now. Anne, thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me today. I'm truly honored and very excited to be here. Well, thank you. I'm very excited. I want to know the recipe for the pretzels. Can't I love do it. pretzels. Can't do it. You can't do it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I want to know um, what is the best way to eat a pretzel? Is it with mustard or is it okay to like go the sweet route with a pretzel? You can go whatever route you want to go, whatever mood you're in. People ask me, yeah. what's your favorite pretzel? And I'm like, depending on what mood I'm in. So you may want a pretzel with butter. Like they're all dipped right. in hot butter. People say, too much butter. No, it's a hot pretzel, hot butter. That's right. There's I no mean, such thing as too much butter too much, on a hot no, pretzel. No, it's all good. And if you want a sweet bite, my favorite is the uh, almond pretzel with a caramel dip. See, you just turned it into some sort of like an almond uh, pastry when you did that. That's when, true. When you, when you go, okay. This is, making, this is making me hungry. I love this. <laughs> and as much as we love pretzels, uh, pretzels don't change our life the way the story of God's Absol redemption does. That's absolutely. And, and I guess uh, for my story being um, growing up with an Amish background and eight of us kids on the farm, and it was all about hard work. And Wait a minute. You grew up on an Amish farm? Yeah. Like turning butter and cows and barn building and everything? Yes. Wow. Yes. My mom and dad were old order Amish, which is what you just described. And when I was three, they went to the black car Amish, which means that we could have a black car and my dad could farm with a tractor instead of horses. And we had electricity. So we were moving on up. And uh, so that was my life. But the whole community, all of my aunts and uncles and cousins and all, most of them all old order Amish. And so that was my that was the culture in which I was raised. And it was a wonderful uh, way to start life. Now. Your story includes so many twists and turns, mm -hmm. and part of your story includes uh, a tragic loss that you and your husband experienced mm -hmm. uh, with your daughter. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes, so I grew up in this very, uh, I want to call it great family, idyllic almost, uh, uh, very uh, religious. The Amish people are very, they love God, and but it's all about works and you know, I believed uh, my theology as a kid and on into my marriage was that if I was if I was a good girl, then God would bless me. And my whole intention in, in life was nothing more than just to please God, please my parents, and someday be a good wife. I, I wanted to be a good girl. Yeah. You know? And so my husband and I got married very, I was 19, he was 21, and we're married over 53 years now. I know that puts me in the old people category, so I'm, I'm just saying. Wow, no, it puts you um, in the faithful but, category. For sure, for sure. And uh, so we got married. We had really set out to just uh, do what our parents did, you know, yeah. uh, just to have a family and serve God and be in community. And um, uh, we were married about seven years. And our youngest daughter, 19-month-old Angela Joy, was killed one morning as uh, she was taking her morning walk up to my mom's house. We lived on, on a small farm and lived right next to each other. And so Angie always made her little journey to my mom's house. And that one particular morning, my sister was working for my dad, hauling sand on a bobcat tractor. And she didn't see Angie that morning, and she uh, accidentally drove over her, and Angela was killed. And uh, as she made her ascent into heaven, I, made my, I began my very slow and gradual descent into a world of spiritual confusion and emotional pain, which I knew nothing about. Uh, life on the farm was, we, we never had any, any tragedies, which is a pretty amazing. But my question, which is what everybody asks, is why? I'm a good girl, and why did you do this? Why did you allow this to happen, you know? Right. And um, 
so Jonas and I, my husband and I, just became very um, distant, and our, our really happy marriage became a silent uh, existence. We simply existed together. Uh, we had a four-year-old daughter at that time who actually saw the accident as well. So we were living in this trauma world, and um, I knew that God would, would help us through it, but months uh, went by, and I, there was no relief. I went to church every Sunday, and I prayed, and I read, and yeah. a few months after that, I went to see my pastor for help, and he, before I left his office, I really went there just for comfort, and I needed answers. And for and counseling. Counseling, and, and just, um, yes, and before I left his office, he took advantage of me, and um, he took me into the, the dark world, I call it. And I didn't, I, I didn't know what the dark world was. We didn't have TV where we saw horror movies or <laughs> anything like mm. that. It, but I knew I was somewhere where I had never been before. And um, I kept it a secret. And that secret then kept me in a, uh, an abusive relationship with him, my pastor, for almost seven years. Eventually, your husband found out about what was going on. And how did he respond? After about six years of just... Um, weeping my way through every day, um, never telling anyone. No one knew, and um, except my perpetrator, of course. I was just uh, pleading with God to deliver me from the evil. After years of that, and one day God just was very, very clear with me. He said, I want you to get up off your knees and stop crying and go tell your husband. So I mustered up all the courage that I had, which was not very much, and my palms sweating and my heart racing and tears streaming down my face. I couldn't bear the thought of telling him. Yeah. Because he was a good man. And you didn't want him to know. I didn't want to hurt him. And you didn't want this to hurt your children. That's right. But you found the courage to... I did. To yeah. tell him. You know, the verse in James 5.16 is the, is the power verse that uh, I didn't see it at that time, but have discovered that along the way. And um, James says that if we will confess our faults and our sins, one to each other, one to another, and pray, then we'll be healed. And I believe Kirk, most of the time, all we want to do is pray. We want me and Jesus have a good thing going. I know he'll keep all my secrets. He's going to help me. He's going to make a way for me where there seems to be no way. But um, I also believe that on this journey that I've been on that when I told Jonas my secret, I was, for the first time, I was taking responsibility for my life and for what I had done. Up until that time, it was just blaming God and blaming pastor and blaming Jonas even for not understanding and not caring. And uh, when I faced him that day, I, I just gave him a very two a very short two-sentence confession. I was going to tell him a little bit more, but uh, the look in his face was more than I could bear. So I didn't hug him. I didn't ask him to forgive me. I didn't. I just said what was what I was involved with, and I said to him, "I'm sorry, and I'm a sorry person." And I walked away. Th this this though is where God began to work. You know, when, when, when I confessed to him something inside of me, there was a spark that I felt, even though it, it seemed almost like the wrong thing to do, like to tell him. Something happened. And I believe what happened that day, Kirk, is that
I love the, the Bible verse that says, walk in the light as he is in the light. How is that? Walk in the light as he is in the light. Then you will have fellowship one with another. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us mm. from all sin. And that day, that was the beginning of fellowship. And that was the beginning of cleansing. Because when you're in this dark world, you're full of darkness. Your, your whole body is full of darkness. We're created to carry God's presence in our bodies from head to toe. This is His purpose for us. Mm. And the more darkness that you let in your life, the, the less light there is, and the less we can carry God's presence. Yeah. And, but that day, it, it's just like something began to unravel inside of me. And I was worried to death that Jonas would come home and tell me to leave because that's what I truly believed. Sure. And he came home and he said, "Hun, we need to talk. And I was sure that he had a plan to leave me. And uh, 9 o'clock that night, we stood in our little kitchen in Troop, Texas. And he said, "Hun, now, I, I heard what you said today. And I knew that you were unhappy for many years, but I thought it was because of Angie. He said, I want you to promise me one thing. Promise me that you won't leave me a note on the dresser in the middle of the night and go. But if you want to go, then tell me. And I'll help you find a house. I'll help you pack your bags. And you have to take the girls with you because they need their mom. That was the day of uh, beginning when it comes to redemption. That was the beginning of the redemption that God had planned for Jonas and I. And um, to this day, he promised me that he would never, I asked him to promise me something, which was almost uh, impossible. But I asked him, okay, I promise you I won't leave you in the middle of the night, but promise me that you won't take my past and rub it in my face. Now that's a pretty tall order, right? <laughs> but from that day to this day, Jonas has never once accused me or asked me why or never blamed me and uh, he was Jesus in the flesh to me that mm. day and has been ever since. Wow, what, a, what an incredible picture of redemption and kindness and, and, and mercy and courage. Oh my goodness, the courage that God gave you and for you to be able to look back now and see that, that he was there with you through those times and he didn't leave you and he didn't abandon you and that was represented through your husband who didn't leave you and he didn't abandon you and um is that whole story right here yes it yes is. it the is secret so lies within the secret lies within an inside out look at overcoming trauma and finding the purpose in pain mm -hmm. i'm so glad that you wrote this i can't i can't imagine how many people are just watching us right now and just identifying mm -hmm. with the pain and the trauma that you just described in their own unique way. And the hope, that spark, that maybe God can put these broken pieces together and create something beautiful out of it. Absolutely, but that's what he does. Yeah. That's what God does. And we carry these burdens. You know, I know many, many people just carry the burden to their grave. They've never been able to open up their lives. And my hope is that through this time together with you today that will encourage people to, to open up, share your story, 
share your life, walk in the light yeah. as he is in the light, and then you'll be connected with others. And I believe the confession to Jesus is, is important, like I did for seven years. That's a spiritual connection to God every time we come to him. But when I confess to Jonas, when we confess to one another, it's a relational healing. Yeah. And uh, that's the journey that we've been on. Wow, and thank you so much for sharing a portion of your, your story uh, with us. And when we come back, uh, we'd love for you to share more life lessons with us. Everybody stay tuned. Before the break, Anne shared um, about her very deeply personal story, including tragedy and trauma. And now I'd like to talk uh, a little about some, some of the lessons that you've learned through that tragedy and that trauma. <clears throat> Did you ever ask the question, God, uh, can, can you still use me? Am I so oh. far, am I so oh. bad, am I so broken that I, I can't be used? And I'm asking this because I know there are people right now who are so tied up in knots because of their past and because of their mistakes and their sin that they ask that question. Uh. For sure. I asked that question many, many, many times. And even after I made my confession to Jonas and we were uh, well on the way to having a, it took us a long time. So this was not like an instant uh, miracle, uh, relational uh, healing. It took us a long time. Mm -hmm. And probably about two years, three years maybe after that, we moved, uh, went to another part of uh, Texas at that time, and we entered, were started going to a church there. And I'm sitting in the back row, and even though I had made the greatest confession of my lifetime and were making progress in our relationship, I still felt the guilt and the shame of what I'd done to my family. Guilt and shame is a killer. You know, it, it's what Satan wants to wrap you with. He wants, to, mm. he wants you to put that cloak on every day because if you're filled with guilt and shame, I promise you, you will never fulfill, fully fulfill the will of God for your life, the purpose for which you were created. And I'm feeling, still feeling the weight of what I'd done to my family. And so we, um, we go to this new church and we wanted to go to a new place where nobody knew us and we're sitting on the very back uh, pew of the church, and we're fairly happy as a couple. And uh, but Jonas really doesn't understand uh, because um, and my continuing struggle about the guilt and the shame of it all. And we're sitting in the back pew, and um, I will never forget it. It was a moment when I just I, I looked up at the choir, and they were singing, and uh, and I just began to weep. And I said, Lord, will you ever use me again? Am I even worthy of anything but sitting in the back pew of a church? And they began to sing the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And mm. that, was, that was a, that moment, it was, it was so clear to me that God just said to me, you know, peace with me and peace with Jonas. It is well with your soul. You don't have to worry about this. Yes, you're my child. I'll use you again. But I struggled with that for many years. Like, uh, what, what am I worthy? What, what do you want me to do, Lord? You know, I had no idea at that point yeah. that he would, that out of our pain, our purpose was being formed. Yeah. And, and through that, he taught you the lesson of overcoming and, yes. uh, and, and leading. And, and that led to this book, uh, Overcome and Lead. Uh, what, what is it that you hope people get out of this book? I want people to understand that we are created for a purpose, you know. And what I believe from my own experience, I'm not a theologian or preacher, pastor, teacher, I'm none of that. But what I believe from my own experience is that Satan, he wants to keep us, you know, he wants to um, 
He wants, he doesn't mind if we survive. Survive, like I'm in the middle of the ocean, I'm surviving. I'm, but it takes all of my energy to survive. Yeah. And that's the way we live. Oftentimes, we live with just this mentality. I got through the day, I got, you know. Uh, but, but what I know today, Kurt, is that, that Jesus didn't die just for us to survive. He died so that we could be overcomers. And we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And living the overcoming life is, is the free life. Mm. It, it's what Jesus died for. I mean, like he didn't just hang on the cross and say, your sins are forgiven. I forgive you. And, you know, your sins are under the blood and you're on your way to heaven. But he, he took upon himself our shame and our guilt. Like our sins are forgiven. That's great. But many of us in the church, we, we love that. But we still carry the guilt and the shame oh. of our past. And when I realized that Jesus paid for my shame mm. in the same way that he paid for my sins, that's why I can yes. share my story. I'm, I'm no longer ashamed. Is th that's almost crazy to say. Like, right? I should be ashamed. I should be. But when I realized that the death, the price that Jesus paid was enough for all of us to walk into a life where we can overcome. But Satan wants us just to, he wants us to survive, just to get by. Yeah. Because he knows when we're in that place, we will never understand and experience the freedom and the light and the fellowship and the cleansing. Yeah, that's right. And advance his kingdom. Exactly. And that's what he, that's where he wants us. And, and um, you're, you're doing that. In, in, in multiple ways, as a, as a wife, as a mother, as an author of these books, you've got th this amazing pretzel company and you're sharing your testimony. Um, I want to know the backstory behind the pretzel company. How did you start making pretzels? Did that, did, what, 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 what caused all of that? Out of our pain, our purpose was born. And we had no idea, the two of us together had no plan for a future. I mean, like, we're happily married now. Things are going in the right direction. That's all we cared about. I mean, that's really... But in the meantime, we went to see a marriage counselor. We did five sessions with a man in our church. And I always say that he give our marriage a kickstart. Like, we just needed something to... And that's what we did. And so five sessions with our counselor. And Jonas then, he's, he's very mechanically inclined, very... Um, he, he's an inventor. I mean, he'll fix anything. He can do anything. And he's always inquisitive about why and how. And after we went to the counselor, he said to me one day, you know, how, what happened to us? How did this happen? Like, we're both going to church. We both love Jesus. We, God is number one in our lives. I mean, we know God. We were taught well. How mm. did this happen? Yeah. And he began to study uh, psychology and became a layman's counselor. And uh, in, in a few uh, short years, then he began to counsel free of charge to anybody that would come, We, any, anyone. So in our home or at the church or somewhere, he would uh, set up an office and, and he would counsel people as, as a free service because he wanted people to, to understand uh, there's a better life. You know, if you have troubles, you can work through this through counseling or whatever. Yeah. And so he began to do that as a free service. And one day I said, "Hun, I mean, I was never the breadwinner winner of our family, but he was not making any money really. And uh, so I said, well, I'll just go to work and, um, and make the dough so that you can keep doing what you want to do. 
because I really fully wanted to support him and honor him in what he'd done so much for me. And he said, well, sure, if, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. So I went to work and I made enough of money so that he could keep uh, doing free counseling. He did that for over 15 years at Auntie, uh, after we started Auntie Anne's. He continued to do that. Um, so out of our pain, our purpose was born. He began counseling. I went to work to support him. And we had no plans. I'm supporting Jonas and I'm making a couple hundred dollars a week. And um, in about seven months time, somebody came to us and said, there's a market stand for sale very close to your home. And would you be interested? And we're like, no, not really. I'm happy doing, making 250 bucks a week. I have a little minivan and my boss is really good to me and we're fine. But this person kept bugging me. Finally I said, okay, okay, well, I'll go see what, what it's about. And, mm. and, uh, I called the people that were selling this stand, and um, they said, yes, uh, we want uh, $6,000 for this stand. We didn't even know um, what they were selling. We had no idea. We just called them. And as I was talking to them, um, I told my husband, like I whispered, they only won $6,000. We had no money, but uh, we figured we could find it somewhere. Yeah. And so I told these people, I said, we'll be over tomorrow with the check. We'll, We'll buy the stand. So we bought the stand sight unseen, went to my rich father-in-law, who was an Amish man, and he gave us the money to, to start uh, the Auntie Anne store. And uh, I'm telling you, it was, uh, to do that was a big risk for us. We, had, we were not business people. Uh, Jonas and I grew up Amish, so we're both eighth grade educated, and we, we don't mind that at all. We just, that's part of, it's our story. And so we went into, into business and the three things that we did not have was we didn't have a formal education, we didn't have any capital, and we had no business plan. So, I mean, that's a disaster from, from, from the start, right? Mm. But, but our purpose, what I discovered over time, Kurt, what we had was a great purpose. We had a great product, and we had great people to help us fulfill the mission and the purpose of Auntie Anne's. It's, it's an incredible story. Mm. Wow. So don't put God in a box, you know. <laughs> we always say, this is why I can't do something because I don't know. I'm not educated, my parents, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of excuses that we give, you know, as, as to we can't, we can't do this because we're, we're looking at what we don't have. What do you have? What do you have? And so when you look back today and you see this huge pretzel company uh, all over the world and airports everywhere, I see it everywhere that I go, what do you attribute the success to Annie Ann's pretzels to? The purpose, and our purpose was twofold. It was, uh, it was to give financially and it was to be light in the world of business. The giving became the first clear purpose for us. And uh, we couldn't wait to be able to, to give. So we didn't wait till we made money. The very first week at our market mm. stand, we just decided a certain amount. We're not going to wait to see what the profit and loss statement says. We're just going to give and take the money to the church in the morning. And, uh, and we continued to do that. Each week, we increased our giving uh, immediately. And I attribute the, the success of Auntie Anne's to, there's many reasons, but, but I feel like that is probably the number one reason. You know, I feel like givers... Uh, you know, as long as you give, it keeps you from becoming selfish, you know, and mm. I feel like it was a cash business for us and and we were making more money than what we'd ever seen in our entire life. I mean, we were selling pretzels for 55 cents a piece and we actually had a savings account. So the, the word got out that Auntie Anne's pretzels are amazing and people just came by the, we couldn't make them fast enough. I just want to encourage people, you know, whatever you're, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, God doesn't live in this little box, 
that we put him in. We put him in this really tiny box, you know, in our human mind. This is where God lives. And I'm saying, that's not where he lives. He lives outside the box. So, so start moving. <laughs> Move in, in a direction. Get outside that box and see what God has for you. What would you say to someone who's listening right now and, and they're, they're saying, I've, I've got dark secrets mm. that I just can't share with anybody. If I do, my world will collapse. Mm. Well, I've often, often told people that the confession is not about predicting an outcome. It's about obedience. Now, the other part of that is that it, it takes wisdom, you know, to know who to share that secret with. Maybe it's not your husband initially. Um, maybe it's a really good friend that you can trust. Um, but ask, ask God to help you find someone that you can unload your life uh, on. You, you have yeah. to unload. And as, as you begin to unload and you begin to tell your story, your secret, you'll begin to feel the freedom. And it took me a long time to go from, from the time I told Jonas until I was able to actually share my story and fully and completely share my story. It took mm. me years to get to the point where I was willing to share my story. It was probably 15 years. So, you know, the question you ask is, it's heavy. It's, you know, I don't want people to just feel like, oh, I'm going to tell my, you know, my husband or my mom or my dad or... Uh, you need to be thoughtful, and I think the Holy Spirit needs to guide you. But you will find someone mm -hmm. that you can talk to, because otherwise that verse is, wouldn't mean anything. That verse is powerful. Confess your faults and your sins, your troubles, your struggles, your secrets. What is it inside of you that you don't want to tell anyone? What is it that bothers you every waking moment of every day? What is it that just grinds you? You're like, oh, I just wish I could. That's what you need to tell. Yeah. Because that's what's holding you back. That's right. And I promise you, there is somebody that you can tell. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.